Hey guys, welcome back to the MLS Now podcast. My name is Gavin. My name is David. And today we have a great show for you guys, and we want to get it started really quickly. We have Dwayne Rollins from Soccer Today. How are you doing today, Dwayne? Um, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Toronto uh, and, and a lot of stuff to talk about Toronto. I know you, they haven't made a ton, a ton, a ton of moves, but there is some off-season stuff or off-season, um, off-the-field stuff to talk about. And the first thing I want to ask you about is looking at last season. I want you to talk to us about um, how happy you were to get to the final and then how obviously gutted you were to miss out on winning the championship. Um, it was a funny season overall for TFC last year. Uh, coming off of a couple great years and then that that dip in 2018, people didn't quite know what to expect heading into 2019. And then started out gangbusters. Uh, they were among the best teams in the league in the first six weeks. Uh, looked like everything was back on track. But then injuries started to pile up and the summer became pretty um, a big dry spell for them. And they fell below the red line. Looked like maybe they had finally sort of slipped permanently below that um, and the, the streak that had seen them win the MLS Cup in 2017 after going to the final in 2016 was over. However, then things started to change. In August, they quietly went on a streak uh, of an undefeated streak that lasted right to the final. Um, a lot of draws in there, so it wasn't really grabbing the attention that that maybe it might have otherwise, but, but they had going into the playoffs, they were among the hottest teams. And again, it was some sort of in a quiet way. So when they went to the final through that playoff run, um, it sort of felt a lot like a veteran team that just kind of knew how to win in that situation. And, and it gave a lot of hope for, for this year. When they made the final in Seattle, it, it kind of felt like gravy, you know, like it was, they, they were there. It was a little unexpected. Um, it was sort of a, you know, it's kind of funny that it was the same opposition again. I think both clubs kind of felt that it was a bit of a bonus uh, final for them. But, uh, you know, then they get into that game and, and play the first half quite well. Uh, are right even with them with Seattle at home. And unfortunately, an own goal off of uh, Justin Morrow sort of changed that. And, and it's, you know, in hindsight, the further you get away from it, the more you kind of go, oh, wow, that was so close. I mean, they were 45 minutes away, really. When the bounce goes off one of the Seattle players into their goal, you know, it's a different final, right? But nonetheless, uh, wins a win a win for Seattle, and congratulations to them. But I do think that it sort of empowered uh, Toronto FC's management to feel that they are act that the, what they were at the back half of the season is what they are, and particularly with a couple tweaks, they they feel, I believe, and I think a lot of people that are observing from outside agree that they they absolutely should be considered one of the favorites for, for 2020. Yeah. Now, do you attribute that not only to the squad, but to the coach as well? Greg Vanny is a, I, I am a, a, a fan of Greg Vanny. Not everyone in this market is, but there's a lot of reasons for that, but you know, part of it uh, is, is sort of, he came in as a bit of an outsider and I think there's still some resentment around that, but, but he certainly at this point has proven that he has been able to, to lead that club different variations of that club to the final and well four different times now including the ccl and and i don't think you can discount that uh the consistency to me is the most important factor here greg Vinny doesn't have the the name recognition of a lot of coaches he's not a big international name he's not even the biggest american name but what he does have is a consistency he has been with toronto for multiple years now he's among the the longest serving mls head coaches uh, certainly by far the longest serving uh, head coach in, in 
TFC history is deeply enrooted with the system as a whole. Like he is very hands-on when it comes to the academy and the development side as well. And then some of these kids that they that they signed from homegrown uh, players this offseason, which won't have much name recognition at all to, to anyone outside, well, hell, to half the people here even, uh, he knows quite well because he's worked with them since they were 12 years old. So this is a guy that has his hands in all aspects of the organization. And, and I do think, you know, there are times where he um, maybe tactically – it can be a little rigid, but that's any coach. Uh, but I do think that you look at his overall work as, as a TD almost, uh, he, he has been very effective. And, and I do think that uh, he deserves more credit than he gets league-wide. All right. Now I want to look real quickly at one of the other off-the-field issues for Toronto this season, and that is with the Michael Bradley surgery. Can you tell us what's going on in that situation? Uh, sure. Uh, Michael Bradley injured his uh, ankle area, kind of, his leg somewhere in the final. And it wasn't really well known at the time. He played, they gave him a shot at halftime, and he played the second half sort of on one leg. Um, but as most athletes do, they kind of push through that. Uh, we didn't really hear much about it in the offseason. Uh, they felt, and Michael Bradley felt, that rest and rehab could, could fix this. But when he showed up for camp, uh, they did their preseason physicals. You know, suddenly everything changed quickly, and and there wasn't a lot of information that was coming out. But basically, what was known is that it looked like they were going to need to shut him down, and this caused some controversy here. Uh, Josie Altidore famously spoke out against the medical staff. Now Josie's going to Josie. He he'll speak out against a lot of things, and that's part of his charm and, and frustration for for some. Um, but Michael Bradley, bottom line, went for surgery in New York City about. Two weeks ago now, and is expected out between three and four months. Uh, this is Michael Bradley. You're going to have to chain him to the bed for it to be four months. But I think that the TFC staff, knowing his age and and sort of um, the experience they have in handling athletes with an injury history, uh, and that's not just a TFC. That's part of the overall umbrella organization, and which, if you don't know, includes the NHL team, the, the Leafs, and the NBA champions, the Raptors. So they... They have a lot of sports science knowledge in that field, and, and they are going to rehab him back slowly. And everything that we're seeing here sort of indicates that the TFC views their goals and purposes to be peaking again at the end of the season like they did last year. So I anticipate that Bradley will probably sit out most of the season, um, most of the half, first half of the season, I mean to say, and that they, you know, they feel... Uh, that they have some some young players there that, that can step up and fill that, that gap in, in his absence. All right, now I want you to tell me, similar to that situation, about the Josie Altidore situation coming off of that. Uh, have tempers flared down now after the rumor that they were looking to trade him? I know and respect Hercule Gomez a great deal, but I don't, and I don't, I think he was reporting something he was told, but I am not convinced from being in this market that what he was told wasn't someone planting a message to Josie more than an actual reality. Um, I would be highly surprised if they were to trade Josie out the door, especially if they didn't have a replacement immediately lined up. And, and that isn't the case. It's too late in the transfer window for that to happen. So Josie Altidore will be with TFC at the start of the season and, and will be with TFC throughout this season, barring some major development that has not yet happened. The, the club understands. They, they just locked him up to a DP contract last year. When you sign Josie, you're signing Josie. And you're getting all of Josie. And all that's great and all that's frustrating and all that's bad. 
Um, it's a guy that's made of glass. <laughs> he's going to be injured sometimes, and U.S. fans know that. But he's also a guy that, when he's on, is unstoppable. Uh, he almost single-handedly won the 2017 MLS Cup. He carried that team in his back through that playoff run. I mean, Jovinko is the play, player that we all remember and love for the highlight goals. But in the playoffs, it was Josie. Josie's why they won. So Josie is who they've hooked their hooked their wagon to, and, and they're not going to get rid of him. So, look, I don't think they're happy with him for saying that publicly, but at the same time, they accept that, that they signed a guy that that has his own personality. And, uh, you know, I think, think that uh, if they were to try and rein that in, they wouldn't be very successful. And, and the other thing is, too, I'm, if you're going to trade him, who are you going to trade him to? I mean, I'm sure a lot of teams would like his talent, but you have to have the room and the, and the budget and the DP slot available. And that limits your, your ability to. And the only other option would be to sell him. And I don't think you're getting going to get anywhere near the value for him if you're Toronto FC to do that. So I wouldn't put much stock in that report. All right, uh, David, over to you. Yeah, I know we're running a short on time, so I'm going to ask you about some players. Obviously, you guys signed a new DP, Pablo Piatti. Uh, what can you tell us about him, uh, just for the listeners who, who don't know, who haven't followed him? Uh, Pablo Piatti is a player that he's Argentine, uh, played in, the, in Espanol in La Liga for the last uh, few years. Uh, look, he has an injury history. Uh, he has basically barely played the last two years. That is why his value dropped to the point that a guy that just two, three seasons ago had, you know, 10 goals and 10 assists in La Liga. Uh, that's why a guy like that can be got by an MLS team for $1.6 million. That's what the report is. Um, it's a one-year contract with an option. Um, as Ellie Curtis, the GM, said, it, essentially the player is betting on himself for the year and betting on the, the MLSC medical staff. Um, they, I don't know if you're basketball fans, but you may be familiar with Kawhi Leonard and, and his journey with the Raptors. If you are, you know that there was something called load management that they utilized during that season where he did not play all the all the time. He worked very closely with a physiotherapist that is within the MLSE umbrella, its ownership. And that same gentleman is going to be working with Piatti to try and maximize their investment to him. This is a player that is very much signed for the here and now. There's no resale value on a, on a 31-year-old guy coming in from Argentina with an injury history. This is MLSE gambling that this is a player that can be a game changer in Major League Soccer immediately and that can be that final piece that will take TFC from a team that gets on a good run in the playoffs and makes a final and loses to a team that is expected to go on that run in the, in the playoffs and wins that final. Um, no. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, you know, another analogy, I, I, I take it to like a big home run hitter in, in baseball. They're, they're swinging for the fences here, right? And what happens when you swing to the fences? You either hit it out or you strike out. And there is that aside of it as well. This guy could blow up in TFC's face and it could really be a wasted DP slot. There is that chance, but it is an all or nothing play, I believe. Now, you guys mentioned Bradley's injury earlier. The obvious answer to this question what I ask is uh, um, Pozuelo. But do you see Pozuelo stepping up more or do you see Marky Delgado taking that control of the midfield more now with, with Bradley being out for a couple of weeks or even months? Yeah, they've got a, a couple of young players, too, that they're, they're going to slot in here and there. Um, Delgado is a funny guy in the sense that he doesn't get a lot of a lot of press for what he does. <laughs> he's he's very much a, a link player, a player that plays a very uncomplicated role. And I certainly think that you'll see him uh, step in and continue to play a lot. He was actually the leading minutes getter for TFC last year. And not a lot of people even realized that he was out there that much, but he doesn't because he doesn't get a lot of stats otherwise. Right. 
So certainly you see that. Uh, Pozuelo, I believe they're probably going to shift a little wider uh, into something more natural for him. Uh, he had, I thought, a very very successful quiet but quiet season last year. Part of that's because he's playing up here. But, you know, he wasn't as flashy a guy as, as other DPs. And he had played 18 straight months by the time the season ended. And, and I think that played a role particularly down the stretch in Major League Soccer. But he's a guy that can be creative, can open things up. Uh, really what TFC was lacking was a little bit of width. They were able to sort of collapse on to those uh, playmakers and, and sort of take, especially when Josie got hurt, they were able to take the, the straight partnerships out of there. But, yeah, I think that to get back to your point, to get to, you know, replacing Bradley, look, as I said, it's going to be a bit of a committee thing. Uh, they might have a slightly different formation at times. I mean, Jonathan Osario is another guy that plays a little more of a creative role, but is certainly a guy that can slot into the and play a midfield role in, in various places. As silly as it sounds to lose a guy that's been such a key player for TFC leadership-wise over the years, I, the loss doesn't seem that bad to me to analyze TFC because I think that it's almost beneficial to force Michael to rest for a while because he's not on the right side of 30. Um, this is a guy that you want going at the end, and I think that if they can find you – know, they're going to have to eventually replace him too. So if you find a little bit of um, value in, the, in who you're – you know, some of those young guys I'm talking about that, that plug in, then then maybe uh, it's a beneficial in the long front run for uh, TFC to have this injury as much as you don't like to see anyone get hurt. Yeah. Now I have two more questions about uh, two different players. Erickson Gallardo, do you see him getting more minutes this season? Or do you think he still needs to uh, step up this season? Or, or what do you guys want to see from him and able for him to get at least a starting role in, in the squad? It's an interesting player that uh, he didn't play a lot last year when he came in, as you know, um, he scored in the preseason for what that's worth, which is often nothing, but he did in their first preseason game. So he, obviously they're, they're giving him a good luck. Um, TFC and Greg Vanny have wanted to play with more wide dynamic players for a while. And, and he is a player that fits that bill. And they did sign him for the long run when they brought him in last year. This was an investment in a young player that they felt that they could develop and didn't necessarily need immediately. Um, they they brought in him and, and uh, Benize at the around the, the end of the year to try and supplement that roster. And it was Benize that they were using immediately and have since cast off to Colorado. Uh, this player is, is sticking around. So, yeah, I, I do think you'll see an increased role for him. But I also am not entirely sure what to expect. It is hard to evaluate. Uh, you know, when they're playing 4,000 miles from you right now and, and you can't really see them very much. Now, Eric Sabaleta is is a player that um, is really a, a mystery to me of what's going on with him. In 2017, he had 27 starts. 2018, he had 16. Last year, he had 11. What's going on with him? What do you think the team's doing? Do you think they're trying to um, make him come out as a sub or... I mean, what can you tell us? Because he's 27 years old. He's still young. Yeah, Zavaleta is uh, the fans' whipping boy. I'll tell you that right off the top. And, and take that with whatever grain of salt you want. There's a lot of people that do not believe in him. Um, it does not help that he is the nephew of Greg Vanny. So there are people that think that that plays a role. I do not. But there are some, those that do. What, what do you think my role is? I think he's a depth piece in the back right now. Now, TFC is going to need, to me, if there's a vulnerability to this club, it's the depth in D. So you're going to need a guy like Zavaleta or Simon to step up and, and perform at a level that is closer to what they have in the past. And Zavaleta would be the more logical 
uh, player to do so since he is younger than Simon, who did look very slow last year at times. But right now, if you look at TFC's defensive center backs, you're looking at, uh, you know, Mavinga and Gonzalez, who are both solid guys. They're both capable of being best 11-level players in Major League Soccer, but there's only two of them. And if one of them goes down, then they're in a lot of trouble because they're going to have to lean on a guy like Zavaleta. And Zavaleta showed last year his biggest weakness is he, he is prone to big errors, and that is not exactly what you want to see in your center halves. You want to see consistent play. Like, if you're a backup yeah. player in Major League Soccer, be consistent. Don't be, like, all or nothing when you're back there because that's a position that you can't afford mistakes at. Now, uh, my last two questions are basically two and one. Um, areas that you guys need to work on, and how do you feel about the roster? Um, I How do I feel about the roster? I'll start with that. I, I think that, look, again, as I said, they, they from August 1st on last year, they were – absolutely among the top three or four teams in the league. Um, they took LAFC to a, a very spirited draw at LAFC in the regular season during that streak. You know, just in case anyone thinks they weren't tested against the best, they were, and they did, you know, other than a very late goal, almost pulled the upset there at that time. So they, they proved that they can put that or stand with the best teams. They, you know, took Seattle deep into the second half before they allowed a fluke goal to lose MLS Cup final. Obviously, they made MLS Cup final. So the roster on that alone, the evidence says that it's pretty good. Um, there is, as I said, I think the starting 11 has three or four guys that if they have a good season could absolutely be best 11 type players. You've got a guy in Josie Altator who went healthy, key caveat, when healthy is, you know, I'd put him right up there. I mean, others will argue Martinez, others will argue whoever, but I, I would take Josie as your best pure scorer in this league when he's healthy, but that's, that's the big key. He's not healthy a lot. And I acknowledge that. So oh, yeah. Josie is a monster when he's healthy. Yeah. So basically, I believe with a big caveat, I, I believe the roster is talented enough to be, you know, a contender to win MLS Cup. MLS Cup has a bit of luck involved, so you can't really say that they would or won't, but they, they should be among the teams that can if they are healthy. The weakness is just that it's age. It's age and vulnerability to injury. They have shown that in the past couple of years. They have a lot of their key players are at the end. Um, they they are making home run swings because I think that they internally know that they are going to have to turn the roster over in the next couple of years and that this run, which has been very good, uh, will come to an end. So, you know, I haven't completely wrapped my head around what I think they're going to be in 2020, but I do think that on paper, you should be on paper. You're silly to discount them. I'll say that. But again, the vulnerabilities, if it goes wrong, it's going to go very wrong. That's where I'm kind of at with them right now. If it goes right, if it goes to this plan, I think they're going to be a team that is right there until the end and, and may be standing in the confetti at the end. But if things start to go wrong, they have the potential because it will start to, it will go bad quick. <laughs> they might be out of the playoffs if they don't. I can't see them being a mid-table, mid-level type team this year. All right. Thank you for answering those questions. I know you guys have a lot of homegrown players as well, so they might need to step up this season as well. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of TFC's long-term vision. Um, the the region, if you if you're not from here and you don't know, the Greater Toronto area is very big and is very diverse with people from all over the world, and there are it's a, really a gold mine for talent. It's traditionally been underdeveloped because of the Canadian system not being very good. But the professionalization of that system has led to a lot of players coming out of this region in the past few years 
that have really shown that they can play at a high level. Um, you know, there's you know, Mark Anthony K. If you want to look at a at a MLS player that has moved and not been excelling for Toronto, but has still shown that that he's coming to the, this Toronto area and been able to star in this league. That's this one example. Jonathan Rosario, I mentioned him earlier. Um, there's others, but if they can take advantage of that, they have a similar advantage to any of the major cities in North America. Toronto is very big, so they can take advantage of that. All right, Gavin, anything you want to add or any questions you have? No, I think Toronto are looking to be one of the better teams next season with a lot of the MLS team, or sorry, a lot of the Eastern Conference teams really evening out, I think, this season. I think it's going to be Toronto and NYCFC fighting for those top two spots and then everybody else fighting for third through seventh. I'm very high on Toronto. Um, Do you agree with that, Dwayne? Just that two, first or second is what Toronto should be aiming for this season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I I know Atlanta's had a lot of changes, but I wouldn't discount them either. But I certainly do think that Toronto FC should be expected to be among the top teams. I, I'd go so far with the, the expense and the money that's spent here and the size of the market that TFC really should be in that conversation every year. Otherwise, they're failing. But yeah, I, I do think that this is it's the right move by TFC to to sign a high risk, high reward player like they have. And, and they should be amongst the favorites. All right. Well, we can leave it there. Um, thank you so much, Dwayne, for coming on. Can you uh, tell our followers real quick where they can find you? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at 24th Minute. That's at 24th Minute. And uh, anything I do will be linked there. Awesome. Thanks, Dwayne. All right, guys. That does it for our Toronto episode. Unfortunately, we were running short on time, but hopefully we were able to discuss everything or almost everything that goes on around Toronto. As Gavin said earlier in the episode, they haven't made many moves, but outside the field, a couple of things have been going on. Anything you want to add, Gavin? No, like I said, uh, Toronto are looking promising still. He was spot on with with the fact that they had a very, very, very strong end of the season uh, before the playoffs, and that was something I would have highlighted if we had more time. But overall, I am high on Toronto this season. Uh, Once Michael Bradley comes back, uh, his leadership on the field will be uh, there for all all to see yet again. And I think they have good a good squad and good depth, and they'll be uh, fighting for MLS Cup again this season, in my opinion. We'll do this. The East is looking good. The East is looking strong, and it should be fun to to watch it this this season. Yeah, definitely. You know my thoughts on the East. I do. All right, guys, that does it for our MLS uh, update on Toronto. We are almost done with the clubs. And thank you guys for the support you've shown so far. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We've been growing really rapidly really nowadays. Fast, yeah. <laughs> and, um, the club updates are going to be flying out over these next two weeks. We already have two more teams lined up over the next couple of days. And uh, we are getting that all organized. We will get every single team done by the start of the uh, season yeah no <laughs> no <laughs> I've, I've done the numbers that we can do it I, I believe it of course we can guys thank you for your support uh it, it's been fun and it's always great keeping you guys updated yeah we'll talk to you soon see you guys